Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. In here with me today, Dan Galinsky and Amadou So from King James Gospel. Guys, what's up? Good to have you back on. Yeah, uh, early morning podcast. Not early morning, but it's a great day. You know, OSU plays today, I'm happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they got basically like a, a second bye week against Rutgers, but yeah, that's fine. Well, today we kind of just have an assortment of things to talk about. We have some start news with the date of the next season being decided, and then just some other stuff, draft stuff, trade stuff, jersey stuff. So we'll just get into all of it. We'll start with the NBA and MBPA finally agreeing to start the season on December 22nd with a 72-game schedule. Um, the regular season will end at around May 16th. The finals will finish no later than July 22nd. So we're kind of getting back onto that, or inching towards that regular schedule. Uh, games will be played in markets with reduced travel, um, especially cross-country travel, I think, early on. Uh, free agency, we know, will likely start pretty much immediately after the draft. Not immediately, there will be a little bit of time there. Uh, the cap is expected to stay flat at $109 million, like we expected. And the trade restrictions are expected to be lifted by November 16th, which is two days before the draft. So, Amadou, we'll start with you on this one. I know we were kind of talking about how, you know, maybe we might even have a bubble to start this next season. What do you feel about this final final agreement with the in-market play and this early start date? Well, for teams, of course, like the Cavs, the Hawks, uh, the Warriors, for teams that, you know, their season ended in March, this is great. You know, we finally get to see them come back and play basketball. Especially for the Cavs, we haven't seen them play eight months. We get to finally see Dylan Windler play, our draft pick. It's going to be great. But for those teams like the Heat, like the Celtics, like the Lakers, um, I think it's kind of going to be tough for them. You know, a very short turnaround. i seen LeBron. He actually posted on his Instagram um, a reaction to this, uh, you know, quick turnaround. Did not seem excited from him. So um, I guess we could definitely see some teams kind of struggle, maybe fatigue early on. Um, it'll be interesting to see how everything, you know, turns out. But it being in market is actually, I like it. I like it. I, like I said, I just did not think, you know, the teams were going to go back to having another bubble, especially for what was going to be a, what, five, six month-ish, not even really, like a four or five month season. So that just didn't really make sense to me. But again, a very quick turnaround. Personally for the Cavs, I love it. I finally get to see them play again. But for teams like the Lakers, you know, it, it's going to be tough. I also think that, you know, not only are they going to be playing in market, I think that they're going to try to get at least a limited amount of fans in the stands as well. Um, Dan, what are your, kind of your general thoughts here with the um, with, with everything, with, you know, fans potentially being back, with 
this you know really really quick turnaround from one season to the next. What do you think are going to happen with um with some star players like LeBron? Do you think we're going to see some of the top guys at least guys who made those deep playoff runs? Do you think that we're going to see some players sitting early on in the season? Yeah, I think we definitely could. Um, I, I think Danny Green said on a podcast with the Ringer that he thinks LeBron will essentially sit out the first month of the year um, or of the season. Who knows if that's like what the legitimate legitimacy of that is but um we've seen lebron take kind of extended breaks before with quote-unquote like back issues whatever so i would think that we'd probably see that from like the top top guys but i think for the Cavs' sake um teams like that again it's really good for them I, they just have had such a long layoff, guys have been dispersed um, around the country, living in wherever. Uh, so, like Kevin Love um, in the um, Manhattan area, I imagine, and that sort of thing. So, I, I just think for the Cavs, it's in JB Bickerstaff, really, it kind of allows them to um, get those guys back into the fold. And for a team chemistry and or player development, it's key. Um, it, we'll have to see as far as the offseason. There's going to be a quick turnaround when it comes to that. Um, guys let, take some time to get acclimated. But uh, overall, I mean, these are NBA players. They're, it's not like they're not – I think I don't think these are guys that the way the league is now, guys aren't getting in shape in camp, frankly. Um, and, I mean, I can't say that definitively, but you, you would think that these guys are just fine. And, and honestly, given that – if this were a normal scenario, like pre-COVID, maybe it's not as good. I mean, maybe there's kind of more issues when it comes to how guys are doing. But it's kind of, I think for the Cavs, I think it'll be good for young players because it seems like they'll have had um, not much to do other than just hone in on their craft. So uh, I think for the Cavs, it'll be good for them. And as Amadou alluded to, um, teams like the Celtics, Lakers, um, those guys that are teams that had deep playoff runs like the heat. Yeah. We could see teams like them struggle initially, but those kind of guys um, and teams that they, they know when to turn on and I think they end up being just fine anyway. I tend to agree with you there. I think uh, we, we might see LeBron sit out some games. You might see other top stars sit out some games, you know, as far as those teams that made deep playoff runs, I don't think that LeBron's going to sit out a month of the season. I think, you know, we could see him play every two out of three games maybe, and then he rests that third. But overall, I think that this is going to be a good thing for the league. Again, we've, we've talked about the financial, you know, yeah, aspect of this as well and how much you know money the league is going to make by having this early start, you know, having Christmas games in particular. So overall... Yeah, good. It, it, it's a good thing that this is happening, and it's going to be hectic. But especially for teams like the Cavs, th- this is this is what you wanted. This is you know you want to get started as soon as possible, and you want to get just the NBA season calendar back to as normal as possible as well. And this is this is the best way that you can do that. Right. So we'll move on here into some prospect stuff. The Cavs are among the teams that have spoken to Denny Abdia. And they also are planning to speak with Onyeka Okongwu. Um, it seemed like the Cavaliers weren't as high on Okongwu at some point, but it seems like he's been one of the higher risers here as of late. Amadou, do you see that changing for the Cavaliers? Um, 
I didn't really understand why they weren't high on Okongwu starting off early on. You know, they still do have Drummond, of course, and Thompson, depending on his free agency. But still, it's always great to have a center who is compared to Bam. I mean, that's that's very... I'd like a pick like that. But for them to do their due diligence, I guess you could say, having an interview with Avdi and Okongwu, I like it. Does this change who they who I think they would pick? I'm not really sure. I feel like they probably still lean towards a wing or maybe... A guard, depending on how the draft works out, I just don't really think they'll look at a Congo, even though I kind of want them to, but I love them doing their due diligence. Dan, where are you at with a Congo on this? Do you think that they their opinion has changed of him over time? Well, I, I think given that he's kind of a riser, it seems, um, I, I think Kevin O'Connor had him going to Charlotte in a recent mock, so... Um, just with the way, I think what it kind of shows is the kind of uncertainty with this draft in kind of, um, in a lot of respects, uh, given the uh, social distancing measures, um, COVID protocols, it's, um, Akongwu seems like a guy, I think for, um, the Cavs, whomever, uh, that, I mean, is he going to be a key scorer early on? Probably not, but. He's a guy that you know what you're going to get out of him. I think even for a young player, just has such a high IQ, such great feel for the game. And I think he's a player that can really thrive in the NBA and how it's more kind of laden to guys um, that it's just more wide open for them, um, generally faster pace in college. Um, and with him at that five position, he's just – I think for them, it kind of just – shows that given that they want to improve defensively, I think he's a guy that you have to at least interview, see, um, pick his brain on stuff. And um, it just shows that uh, I don't know if it necessarily changes who I think they'll draft, but I think he's one of those guys that seems to be in play. Um, and I don't, I don't know if interviews really mean much to me in that in predictions or that sort of thing, but um, yeah, just, it allows them to get more of a feel for them, for him. And I, I just think it's, it's wise to use one of their um, kind of interviews uh, on a guy that could very well be there um, and, or you'd consider. Yeah. I, I think that Okong will probably will be there. Um, you know, there's, I think it was O'Connor that had that mock with him going to Charlotte at this point. It's looking like if it's, Anthony it's Edwards, up in the air. Yeah, if Anthony Edwards is there at number two, it looks like the Warriors are going to take him. And at that point, James Wiseman is going to go to Charlotte, and that seems kind of like a done deal. And then, you know, there's always the possibility that maybe the Bulls take him. But I, I believe that Okongwu will be there again. Whether the Cavs take him or not is a question. But you, you talk about, you know, interviews and kind of what they mean. I think it, they are important just to get, like you said, a better feel for the guy. But overall, you know, your opinion I think unless you're somebody who's you know just royally screwing up like Lamelo Ball, where that could potentially affect his draft stock, I don't think it matters that much. Just having you know a Zoom meeting with somebody, but still, still valuable to do. You know, it's a, it's good that they use it on somebody like him, like you said. You know, somebody who's probably going to be in play there. So, like I said, that's that's a pick that I think I, I would be more than okay with. Um, one more quick question about it, Dan. I asked Fedor this on our last podcast. Um, what do you think of the possibility of, at least at the start, Okongwu and Drummond playing on the floor at the same time? Well, Okongwu played a fair amount at the four um, in college, but I just think 
and there was I'm not crazy about that. I don't see it really as too viable, but um, I guess with the length length between the two, I guess that could be a wrinkle you have there if there's um, key shooters around them at three other spots. But um, I guess it allows you to be – you can maybe be trap-heavy defensively um, in theory, but I don't really – Love the idea, but on the bright side, Okongwu, I, we didn't see him. I mean, he's not going to be a floor spacer by any stretch um, early on, and who knows if he will be at some point. But um, the, the spot of potential is there. I mean, there was flashes of it. Um, he has face-up ability, and at least as opposed to Drummond, um, he is a playmaker, um, a viable one, even though we didn't see it at USC. Um, we've seen all the comparisons um so i it could be something you could consider but i, I think that's a little too funky for me yeah I, I, I think you could make it work and i don't think if you draft a big even a guy like a i don't think that drummond is long for cleveland but i think you know especially early in that season early in the season when drummond is still there assuming that he does pick up his player option of course it's something that we could see a little bit and i don't think it's going to be you know too big of a disaster i think Akongwu is more than capable of guarding out on the perimeter, and you know it, it is it is a little bit funky, you know, on the offensive end. But I, you make a good point with the playmaking. I think that you know it'll it'll work out there. So something that is a possibility. I think you know I I don't see Okongwu playing a ton of minutes at the four in his career, but again, somebody who's who's capable at least of doing so. Moving on to some uh, trade talk around the league. Larry Nance's name has popped up in trade discussions. Um, Nance, after seeing reports, I think that was in the um, the Zach Lowe like mega offseason preview that yep. that was mentioned. But um, Nance put on Twitter, you know, just kind of I think jokingly, but saying that he'd be kicking and screaming if that were to happen, you know, over his dead body. Um, it, we, we've seen you know other proposed trades, you know, to Larry Nance to the Celtics for like the 14th pick and whatever else salary filler. Amanu, do you think that there's any chance that Larry Nance gets traded this offseason? Um, well, I think anybody is really liable to be traded. Um, but I just, what trade could we see for Larry Nance? I feel like Larry Nance is very underutilized in Cleveland. I feel like he has a lot of potential as a defender. Um, he's improved his shot. You know, um, he has some slight potential as a playmaker too. It's just the Cavs just don't really use him, which is interesting. I mean, look, if the Celtics came to us and they were like, we, they would give us the 14th pick for Larry Nance, I'd do that. Um, I do that, but there's just not really much out there for Larry Nance besides, you know, acquiring more assets. Because the thing for me is Larry Nance is what, 26 already. He doesn't really fit the current timetable with the young guys. Um, and he's still kind of young enough where you could probably get something for him as opposed to maybe like a Kevin Love or something. Or you, you could say a Tristan Thompson too. I believe what Tristan Thompson is 29 at this point. Do I believe that these trade talks are anything? No, I, I don't really expect uh, Nance to get traded at all. Dan, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. If it were, say, you know, Cantor and Poirier and whatever the heck else, just but but you know, the center of the trade being the 14th pick for Larry Nance, would you do something like that? Because personally, I don't think I would. Well, I I don't know if he's not. Uh necessarily been underutilized. I mean, we've seen him more as a playmaker these these past few years. I mean, 2018-19 it was more because of, it seemed like because of Kevin Love being injured um, for such a long period, but um, I don't see it now. I don't really take, I'm not like trying to discount 
Zach Lowe at all, but it's just we haven't really seen rumors slash reports of the Cavs themselves kind of shopping Nance. And just given how he's continually improved, um, really year after year, even in even in LA, they we saw like the mid range shot honestly um, take shape more there. and that was that's always been kind of an underappreciated part of his game. He's he's pretty efficient in that area when he's had the opportunities. So, no, I don't I don't think I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't even honestly at all consider that whatsoever. Um, the fourteenth pick, I mean, it's fine. Like I I, I get that there's potential there um, in theory, but I, I just I I don't know if that's that's just not close. Uh, and the problem is Boston seems like like the clear kind of what John Hollinger has said previously um, is like the clear team that would seem to be in play. And I just for the Cavs, I I don't see the really why you would just because he's I, I think we'll see him really at the three at, at times this year, too. And J.B. Bickerstaff seems to be a, a huge fan of like big guys that can make plays for other players. And just with the shooting growth that he's had. Um, he's one of your best defenders, um, if not the best. He, he really is versatile on that end uh, and uh, against threes and fours and, frankly, some fives and just makes a lot of things happen um, when he gets, gets the opportunities. And um, I think that another thing that people kind of seem to understate with him is I, I just think when you look at how the Cavs could feasibly look to move Kevin Love down the road, um, I think, frankly, after after next season, uh, I just think Nance, maybe he could be a guy that's your four going forward um, as a starter, maybe. If not, that's fine. But he's just such an impact player in a number of ways. And I just think with him, it's he also seems to be a budding leader for this team. And if you lose – if Tristan Thompson were to sign elsewhere this offseason – um, I, I think that's something that you can't, I mean, especially cause he's on a declining deal. He's on a pretty team friendly deal. Um, if you're the Cavs, I mean, are you going to get a ton? Like, is he going to be a key piece in a package? Or are you going to get a ton for him? I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like those around the league would buy that. So, um, to me, I, I just, I don't see them seriously considering it and nor should they given that. Um, he seems like such a uh, a good guy for the team um, on and off the floor in so many ways. And you know, like I said, um, you know, he was on Twitter, you know, when he saw, you know, the just the potential of him getting traded, and you know, was very, very vocal about the fact that he wanted to be here, which is something that in a, in a market like Cleveland, I think, is very important. Someone who wants to be here that much. Right. Um, I, I think you know on the on the Zach Lowe piece, it wasn't so much him saying that the Cavaliers were shopping him. Right. It was just that that name was coming up in in discussion. So you know, other teams clearly have interest in him as a player. But yeah, yeah I, I, I think it would take. What was him? No, I mean, and I totally get where he's coming from there, and he's not a relatively um, de- definitely a tradable deal. You would think. Yeah, but, very very easy. Yeah, but it just doesn't seem that the Cavs. I mean, they there have been reports that. They want to use Nancy more so as a playmaker next year, and um, his improved handle plays into that too. So I, I just I don't I think he's here. I'm gonna do. Is there a pro- say that the Cavaliers were to trade that for the 14th pick? Is there a prospect in mind in that range that you think would be like 
a guy that you would be more valuable to this team than Larry Nance? Um, <clears throat> maybe like a Precious Chua, a Jalen Smith, maybe a Sadiq Bay, but he's kind of interesting. I don't know how he would play at maybe the four position because he'd have a lot of wings. But that's just something else that I really want to quickly bring up. We talked about Nance being in trade talks. Do you think we could potentially see like a Jetty Osman get traded? Because I was thinking this as you guys were talking. Larry Nance is someone who has started to play more at the small forward position. He has that versatility. Um, the Cavs probably will take a wing this draft. That gives us what? Let's just say they take Okoro. Okoro, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., he's someone who plays the two and the three. Dylan Willer starts to come play. And then that gives us Larry Nance Jr., who will play spurts at the three. Alfonso McKinney will maybe st- still see some slight minutes. Who gets the the boot right there? I think it's it's Jetty. I think that Jetty is going to probably be the day one starter, but I definitely think that you know you're going to have guys like Okoro. Say say they draft a wing like Okoro, Dylan Windler, Larry Nance is going to play there. You're going to have some Alfonso McKinney minutes, maybe not on a regular basis, but I think that that's definitely you know a viable scenario. I think. It depends on, you know, what team you're looking at. I don't think you're going to get a lot in return. You know, but I think if you just want to clear up minutes at that position, I don't even... I I mean, Jetty is a, a player that ha- holds yes. value. I mean, he's not on an insane deal. You know, he might be able to fit into a trade exception somewhere. He's somebody who maybe, you know, you can you can get a, a second-round pick out of if you were to trade him somewhere else. Dan, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I get where Ramadou's coming from here, and we've seen the reports of Wendy kind of throwing him in that just, like, hypothetical scenario um, with, with Drummond for CP3. Uh, I, I mean, I, I yeah, I'm with you there. It makes sense. Um, but to me, I just think, uh, yeah, like, it seems he very well could, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll have to see as far as the timeline for that. But it, it does seem that he's there's a good possibility he's not here for the duration of his deal. Um, I, I, I mean, I can't say anything definitively, but um, I, I think the one thing, I mean, I understand he at the four doesn't, it's not a preferred position for him and it didn't work in two years ago. Um, in, in that first season as a starter when he had at least defensively had to guard fours. But I, I also think of it in a way like this and that, we know he's a good passer. He has good feel, and that's in in those situations. Honestly, first position, the numbers don't show it, but he is a rebounder. He's pretty solid. He can hold up there, um, and very good cutter. Um, has shown some signs of shooting off movement. He does that fairly well, um, and he's not a guy that's going to be a high usage guy. Clearly, but I. I look at it as if you get a guy like a Coro, I, I look at lineups potentially as I, this is not all the time, but I'd kind of like to keep Jetty, honestly, if I were the Cavs, just because say you have um, like Kevin Porter Jr. at the one, um, Windler at the two, a at the three, Jetty at the four, and like, I don't know, maybe you bring Tristan Thompson back. He's the five. Like, Whoever the five man on this roster is. Yeah, like uh, those that I understand defensively, like you're asking some stuff from Jay that you don't love, but if you have length at the in the backcourt around him, I think he could be viable there. Um, and just because he can space the floor for you, um, can play Mac, I, I think that 
kind of would open him up more. So, I don't know. It's I think Jetty still, regardless, would get a good amount of minutes just because he can't shoot. Yeah, like I said, I think he's someone who could play wherever he goes. I think on a contender, he'd be a, a very good, you know, just rotational forward, you know, shooter who can just spot up in the corners. On this team, yeah, I, I think this year is going to be an important year for him, and it is going to kind of define his role, especially if he, they do draft a small forward. Because I think, like I said, the starting job is going to probably be his to start the season, but it's going to be up to him to, to hold that spot. If he comes out and, you know, doesn't really show any more progress again, you know, he's the same train wreck on defense, you know, the, the shooting doesn't really progress that much, you know, with you were talking about, you know, being able to shoot off movement. If it is just kind of limited to those, you know, just feet set catch and shoot type shots, then I think, you know, that's maybe when you look towards towards trading him maybe. But overall, yeah, he's, he's definitely, you know, his, I, it, his time has not come to an end in Cleveland. You know, they're not actively looking. You know, we haven't heard really anything about, you know, the Cavaliers wanting to trade him. So I, I think that, you know, as the season goes on, you know, if he does start to lose that role, we'll definitely probably start to hear about it. But as of right now, I would say, you know, he does still have a – you know, very defined starting role on this team and it'll it'll be his his job to lose. And if again, like I said, if he does lose that then we can start talking. But overall I, I'm I'm kind of I, I understand what you're saying, Amadou, but I think it he'll be here at least at the start of the season. But again, that, that's someone who we could see get moved by the trade deadline. You never know. I, I think if he's moved, I think it's it's I, I wouldn't think that it'd be like the Clarkson deal um, I think he'd be part of a package. I wouldn't think it'd be like one for one and then future, maybe like a future yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's kind of what I was getting at. But, I mean, he makes a good point as, as far as the roster construction. But, again, I mean, we could draft Obi Toppin anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's always that's always a possibility. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have four other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knuck a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Hashtag Lakers, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Looking at some other trade news, per Brian Winhorse on the, I think it was the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, um, we also know that Kevin Love is back on the trade market, apparently, because at some point, apparently, he was taken off the trade market. Um, I don't know when that was. Um, does this change anything in either of your eyes? We can start with you on this one, Dan. No, not at all. Um, yeah, like, and then Wendy followed up by saying, as you hit on, like, that said, NBA exec said, when was he off the trade market and whatever. But, yeah, it, it pretty much just shows that, yeah, like the Cavs, he'll always be a subject in trade rumors, and um, we'll see all the fake trade scenarios, whatever, suggested trade scenarios, hypotheticals, yada, 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 you know what I mean? And 
but it's just in this season, given the scope of it, I don't, I don't see him being moved it during this season. That's just, that's just my opinion. Amu, does this change your your view on anything at all? <laughs> no, I I think he's here to stay. Honestly, like Dan said, this season we're set to have the what twenty twenty one free agency is supposed to be great. I don't think any team is going to take on that big of cap. Knowing that, uh, maybe you know after the free agency period next next year, but yeah, I think he's he's here to stay for now. Again, you you look at you know I mean obviously. We didn't have a cap decrease, but the cap is expected to stay flat this year. You know, there aren't going to be teams. There will be some teams that are, you know, willing to take on long-term money, but there's definitely going to be fewer. So, (laughs) I mean, I I, I don't doubt that he is on the market. I just doubt that he was ever taken off the market. I don't know exactly what that means. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the trade portion of this here. We'll get into some free agency news. Um, the Cavaliers have reportedly made an offer to Tristan Thompson. The number was below what he was looking for, apparently. Um, Amadou, what do you think? I mean, obviously, there's no way for us to know. What do you think the Cavaliers offered him? As far as you know, what what was the number that you know he would be willing to turn or that he would be turning down? Well, that's interesting. Uh, I would say maybe anything. I personally think it might have been a two-year deal worth anything between 9 to 13 mil with a, a player option, of course, if you wanted to go into that 2021 free agency and uh, get a nice deal there. That's my guess. Um, but regards to why Trisha would turn that down, his market this year, at least, I just... I, there's really no contenders that have money. Um, and if a contender wanted him, a trade would be really awkward... A sign and trade, at least he could go to a to a team. Maybe if he's looking to just strictly go to with money, he could go to maybe I don't know. The Suns could throw him, you know, something if he wanted to be back up there. I don't know. Uh, but a two year deal worth nine to thirteen is what I would have offered him with a player option. Of course, I would have offered him, and that's what I believe the Cavs offered him. Damn, what do you think? Because I feel like a deal like that, I don't know if Tristan would turn that down. You know, because it seems like. The Cavaliers weren't offering him enough money. I don't know. I feel like that would be a deal that he would accept. Because, again, I just don't see him getting anything close to that in the open market. Yeah, I think it's. I think it would probably mean that it was less, maybe. Um, I, I, I agree. Like, I, I think that's what I would have thought, too. But, yeah, I mean, maybe it was, like, a little over the net, that min. Um and I guess, yeah, you would think with the player option for the second year for that flexibility, but yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, like, I, I like Tristan. Everybody in Cleveland likes Tristan. It seems like um, we had, we probably understand more of the intangible stuff more than nationally that they that people um, have um, the perception. But yeah, I, I would think that that means that they wanted him to take like a hometown discount. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I would think that there's probably more to come here, but yeah, I just think that shows that there's a good possibility he's gone. Yeah. I gotta think maybe the Cavaliers were offering him in that, in that $5 million range. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like like, two for like 12 ish, maybe with a player option. I, I don't, it's hard to say. 
Because I could see him getting a deal from Cleveland, you know, and in that you know mid-level range, like you were saying, right. you know, anywhere from on a one-year deal, you could give him a one-year thirteen million dollar deal, and if you know you aren't looking to spend your full mid-level, which it looks like the Cavaliers really aren't, you know, that's not something that's going to put you in luxury tax zone. That's something that you could do and just keep him around, and maybe that is what you know he he wants from Cleveland. You know, again, this is pure speculation. We have no idea, but it's, it's interesting that you know. I'm just I'm wondering if it was a lowball offer or if this was a you know mid-level range deal. Maybe he wanted more years. I don't know, but it definitely it isn't encouraging news that you know as far as Tristan Thompson staying. But um, just looking at you know how other people around the league view him, like we said, um, I, I've seen you know I think it was Danny Larue had a cap projection of him being about a five million dollar a year player. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the formula that um, John Hollinger used. But he had Tristan Thompson as a vetman guy as far as, you know, what he provides. Um, now, at the same time, he also had – we can we can just kind of discuss this now. Hollinger I, – I don't even remember what the formula was, but he had Drummond at rough, roughly $14 million a year worth. Whiteside, Hassan Whiteside, worth roughly $17 million a year, and Tristan Thompson worth a vet minimum. Um Amadou, we can start with you on this one. Just, what do you, what, <laughs> do you think that Whiteside is worth that much more than Tristan Thompson? Um, no, not not even a chance. I really want to know what the formula is, too. I've, you know, Whiteside, of course, you know, he did have a a good season, great season, honestly, with the, the Trailblazers. But, again, if it's just a stats thing, it makes sense, you know, of course. But there's more to basketball than just stats. Hassan is a guy who takes plays off. He stat pads. You know, I don't know if he's a winning basketball player. So, for him to be that much more than Tristan Thompson, I just, I just don't understand it. It's board something. I don't know. Hold on, I'm trying to find out what exactly the. Um, I don't even know. It's it's a long explanation. I mean, he says it's basically just like how much is he worth based on you know what his numbers were on the floor, probably okay. advanced metrics and stuff. That makes sense. But anyway, makes sense. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think Drummond and Whiteside are both kind of, you know, those, you know, they come up more in the box score than they do in, you know, the real impact of the game. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. This might be Tristan Thompson's value around the league. I, I really don't know. I don't think that a guy like Whiteside is going to be making that much money. I don't think that there's a chance I do think that that's about where Drummond's value is, but um, overall, Dan, what are your what are your takes on that? With with Whiteside being at seventeen million, Drummond at fourteen, and Thompson that far below both of them. Well, yeah, I think Drummond. I think that's fair, but uh, I, I don't know. Is I would think that TT is a little more or worth more than that, but I, I think the landscape of how the lack of cap space around the league, I think that kind of factors into it. Um, at least for teams that are going to be winning teams or in that conversation. But honestly, on the contrary, I I understand that I'm not a Whiteside guy. I never have been. Um, yeah, he does, uh, as Amadou touched on, he takes plays off, clearly. Um, the guy at times has been questionable at best as a teammate in the locker room sense. Uh, seems to be kind of a problem at, at times. I, I, don't, I don't know him personally. I can't say I do. But... Um, in a way, I kind of understand where he's coming from because 
whether or not, I mean, the guy can't shoot. He clearly has never been able to shoot. That's, that's clear. But he really, I mean, he does alter a lot of shots inside. He's a tremendous rebounder, like hell of a rebounder. He carves out a lot of space. He's an impact roller. Um, I, I think he's far more valuable than Drummond. Um, he's a real rim protector. Uh, uh, and uh, really, I mean, whether people like him or not, he does. I mean, he he impacts games. And um, seventeen million seems rich, uh, but I I could see like I, I understand where Hollinger's coming from in that way, um, just because he's so long. Uh, and I, whether I mean, he does like he gets fouls call him a lot. It, he chases blocks at times, but he does alter a ton of shots um, throughout games. He can help guards by carving out space. Um, and again, I think just far more valuable than Drummond, um, really plays the verticality. Like when he's locked in, he can be a hell of a player, but him being 31 is, is not great. And that kind of, in a way goes against the argument there. And he even kind of touched on that, but yeah, would, would I give more than the mid-level to Hassan Whiteside? You really know, just because you never know what kind of player you're going to get. Yeah, that's the thing is he does make some spectacular defensive plays and he is very long, but I, I feel like, you know, for every great play that he makes, he right. takes like three or four plays yeah. off right. on that end. And like you said, he's 31 years old. Tr- Drummond is 26, 27. It, even Tristan is younger than him. He's 29. I just, I, I, I think any team would be a fool to give Hassan Whiteside that much money on a yearly deal, especially if it's a long-term thing. But go ahead. Next. Overall... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's about the only team that I could really see doing that, just to get a name. But overall, um, do any of you think that Tristan Thompson could even get... I, I mean, I don't even think a mid-level is really... It doesn't seem realistic for him at this point, but what do you think the market is going to be for Tristan Thompson outside of Cleveland this year? Amadou, we can start with um, you on that one. I don't really know if there's any market and not because of course Tristan he's a great player but my thing is with everything that's going on of course uh, the cab numbers staying flat teams don't really have money this year I don't know if any team is going to make an attempt at him you know we maybe talked about the Celtics but I feel like the Celtics need for a center is, is kind of blown out of proportion you know Daniel Thice is more than serviceable you still have Robert Williams who you know, he gives spurts. He's still young. He's still growing. But, you know, he, he he's made a lot of strides. What other center needy teams are there in the league? Maybe the Lakers. But I feel like there are a lot of hurdles they'd have to make to attempt to even bring Tristan Thompson in, depending on, you know, his market. If his market is like five million. Yeah, I could definitely see the Lakers going for him. But we, we just don't know what his market is. I don't know. I don't think any team has made a real attempt at, you know, maybe contacting him or something. I feel like he'll be a Cavalier going into next season. Well, technically, they can't contact well, him yeah, because yeah, free agency hasn't started. We all know the teams are anyway. Know, tampering but, um, and, and such thing. I heard him and LeBron had like a drink or something a week back. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah they, know, they met maybe. up with some, somewhere. Dan, do you see him getting more than a minimum from another team out there this year? Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I mean, just hypothetically, I could see maybe a team – more as the season progresses, maybe trading for him. I think that's kind of would seem to be more realistic, but 
Um, I mean, considering he wasn't even traded at the deadline this past season, which which it seemed like a complete it was inevitable, um, that didn't happen. So, yeah, it, it's hard to say. I, I would think that maybe the Hornets look at him um, in that sense, but it's it's hard to say as far as concrete stuff. And the, the Lakers would be – there would be a lot of hoops to jump through there. I could see a team like the Clippers possibly doing it. Say if Montrez leaves, yeah, he'd that's be a one. good backup center. That, that, that's a place that I could definitely see. But, again, I don't see it being more than, you know, in that $5 million range. Maybe so, maybe like Dallas, maybe. Maybe. If, it, if it's, like, if it's a, like that range and he wants to impact winning, I, I don't know. Well, they do have – Maybe if um, they aren't so high on – What are you saying? They have Dominic? White Powell coming back, but I'm pretty sure he's coming back from an Achilles injury. So, yeah, you never know. Yeah. Those. That's the, I was gonna say is yeah, I, I don't know. At. Yeah, I don't know how high they're viewing Dwight Powell at this moment, but they do still have Maxi Kleba as well, mm-hmm. who plays some minutes at the five. They have, I mean, do you trust Willie Colley Stein to give mm. you good minutes? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely another place. But again, I just don't know if they're gonna be willing to throw that much money at him. I don't. No, I don't see. I, I don't know who a team who's gonna you know take a chunk out of their exception. To, to go after Tristan Thompson. Again, maybe there's a team. There, there, there probably is somewhere. But overall... Yeah, there's... I, I'm just... I'm, I'm interested by this report that, you know, he's turning down the Cavs' offer because there's not enough money there. It's just kind of weird to me. Well, it is... I mean, it is the Cavs' situation, and he'd probably be going to a bench role. I mean, that seems... Because the Cavs could definitely... I mean, at least there's a good possibility you would think they could draft a big, too. I just think... Um, with him, like it's it's weird. It seems like he would want more money because he wouldn't be playing as much, which is a little. I mean, I can kind of understand his take there, but I think there's got to be other situations, like winning situations, vying for contention. That, um, in theory, I, I think there's got like he's got to. Have, I would think he could maybe t- take a one year deal and kind of just try to prove himself is a full buy-in guy elsewhere. That's kind of still what I think. All right, we'll move on to some other talk here. Um, we have a little bit of an update on the city jerseys that the Cavs will be wearing this year. This is per Evan Damerol on the Locked On Cavs podcast. Have you guys heard any of this yet mm. about what they're going to be looking like? Not really, no. Um, All right, well, what were you saying? Are they much different from the ones last year? Yeah, they're going to be pretty much completely okay. different. So this is what Damrell said on the podcast, saying that they will have a graffiti-like feel that isn't like the Mavs look. It has more of a handwritten rock band stickers on my guitar type of feel. And the phrase by the size tag is long live rock, and it is predominantly black in color. Now, on the podcast, Manny and Damrell did not have high expectations. They did not think that they were going to like these jerseys. Just, just based off of that, what are your kind of expectations and just reactions to that, Dan? Uh, I guess that's fine. I, I'm not really one to be all that hung up on the city jersey kind of stuff, just because, as we touched on on a past pod and you did, um, it, it's hard to have a huge, like, overwhelming, or I guess, like, passionate take if they're going to change so frequently. Um, I, I guess that's kind of neat, but it, I just, I don't know. It, to me, it really doesn't mean much. 
Um, how are you feeling about this? Um, like Dan said, it's just not really much there to say. If they don't look good to him, I mean, that's his opinion. I don't know. I'd have to see them myself, of course, to really give my statement on the jerseys. It, apparently, Fedor, again, hasn't seen them either, but from who he's talked to, um, apparently, you know, he has high expectations. He thinks they're, they're going to be looking good. So it looks like they are going to kind of lean into that, you know, city of, you know, rock and roll type of feel. You know, the, the stickers on the guitar type of feel, you know, long live rock. So it will kind of probably have some sort of tie to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But overall, just a little bit of an update there. Um, one last thing before we get out of here. Does that mean uh, that... Does that mean we're gonna, does that mean we're going to target Lance Stevenson for that cell he has? Hey, <laughs> I, I know Lance Stevenson wants to make a, an NBA comeback. So, is there a more perfect pairing than Lance Stevenson air guitaring in a guitar jersey? Maybe not. I think that has to happen. But um, anyway, episode two of the Road Back is finally going to be coming out. This should be coming out on Monday. Um, the road back will be coming out on Tuesday. So it's looking like just from the preview that it's going to be about, you know, the bubble mini camp. Um, it should probably be around the same time frame as, you know, the first one I'm assuming. So I'm thinking we'll probably, we'll have a pre-recorded podcast go out on Wednesday as well. So maybe for Friday, we'll kind of just talk about that and review that. But overall, Anything else from either of you before we get out of here? Um, I do actually have just one quick question just to think about for the future. So say back on the Tristan Thompson thing, okay? So say yeah. the deal that the Cavs did give him was a, a low ball offer, four to five million dollars. If you're Tristan Thompson, okay, would you just leave and go to a contender, say like the Lakers, or say the Nets do trade Jarrett uh, Allen in a potential Drew Holiday deal, and now they need a backup center or a starting center. Would you leave for a minimum deal from either of those teams to potentially win a championship and then boost your value for this upcoming 2021 free agency? I think it just depends, personally, because, again, it depends on what the Cavaliers are offering him. If mm-hmm. the Cavs are only offering me $5 million and I have a chance to go play for a championship contender, I'm probably gone. Yeah. If the Cavaliers are offering me, you know, nine to eleven million dollars, and it, it, again, it depends entirely on what Tristan wants. But you have to think that you know, with mutual interest being there, mm-hmm. that you know, you're getting that much money and you're getting the chance to stay home. I don't know. It's interesting, Dan. What do you What do you have to say to that? Yeah, I think that's a reasonable take. Um, yeah, I think that for him, if if it were, yeah, I. I you would think that the Cavs offered more than the five yeah. mil, but but maybe that's what they did. And if that's the case, you would think that he'd have all the more reason to go. Um, but yeah, if, I can't see him getting offered more than the mid level. Um, like there's just, I mean, they're at least a little bit more if dealing with the luxury tax uh, threshold stuff. But um. Yeah, it's you can't expect it. I mean, the Cavs for to that would be reasonable. I I would think, and if he got a low ball offer early, maybe they would pony up. But who knows? I, I mean, they, he's been here for nine years. You think he'd he'd have that give them a little bit of leeway? 
All right. Well, with that, any any other thoughts? Anything from you, Dan? No, no, not really. Start the um. No Browns heartbreak this week. No Browns. Um, start. We'll start up the uh, Lance Stevenson recruitment here in Cleveland, and um, that'll be that. So with that. Thank you, everybody out there, so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, um, rate and review, all of that good stuff. And um, thank you, Dan and Amadou, as mm-hmm. always, for coming on. And we will yep. see you next time. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.